This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, October 29th, 2023. The Resistance, Grace. Man, isn't this just a great day to be part of God's kingdom? There we go. Whoa. Well, it's good to be with you here at home, wherever you may be, on the road, wherever. Today, we finish our series on resistance. Say resistance. Resistance. Yeah, we don't want to resist, though, do we? Because we're talking about ways in which we resist God. Today, we're going to talk about grace. Well, good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who've been saved by the grace that we're going to talk about in Jesus Christ. It is absolutely a delight to be with you this morning. Don't we have like the best cheerleader in Bruce here? He's like giving us thumbs up and you are the bomb. We love you, Bruce. Um, A couple things I just wanted to share, a little family business. So Jeremy, who's our drummer, but he's also the good morning guy, you know, good morning, Connection Church. He might be watching right now. He's in the hospital. So, but what I want to do, because he's like into good morning, Connection Church, I want us to say, good morning, Jeremy Hall. Ready? One, two, three. Good morning, Jeremy Hall. All right, that was for you, Jeremy. Get well soon. Get well. We'll see you soon. And one other thing, I just need to say, this came across my Facebook, Edna Kale. Edna Kale will be the first honoree for the 2024 MLK Breakfast next year. That is a huge honor, Edna. We love you, and we'll get our tickets so that we'll be there for you at that breakfast. Wow. Thanks for giving Connection Church a shout-out, too, in your little bio. Huh? Esselie, what about us? What's, what's up, Es? Eddie, did you win in bocce? No. Who? Scotty, you won a, bo- a gold medal? Wow. Do you have it on? No, you're okay. Next year next week wear it so we can all see it. Congratulations, Scotty. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What'd you expect? Are there any other celebrations? (laughs) It's good to be together and to celebrate one another as the family of Christ. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you so much for today. We are joyful to be in your presence. We are joyful to be able to worship you and praise your name. Settle us in as we hear a message about grace, and there might be some new ground here for some of us. So uh, we thank you ahead of time for your Holy Spirit that will teach us, guide us, and uh, carry us through. We pray this in your holy name. Everybody agreed and said, amen. Amen. So um, today things are going to be, it might feel a little little bit different um, because we're going to discuss a theological dilemma. Say dilemma. Do you know what a dilemma is? A dilemma is like you're facing a charging bull. 
And if you move to the left, gores you with your right, his right horn. If you move to the right, gores you. One way or the other, you're going to get gored, right? And uh, so that's a dilemma. E either way you go, you got a problem. So um, the, here's the dilemma for this morning. On the one hand, we have the concept of, uh, of, of predestination. Say predestination. Has anyone ever heard of this before? Yeah, predestination. Um, that means it's a doctrine that all events have been willed and advanced by God, including the eventual fate of each of us. Uh, this all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful God has decided in advance who is in, who is out, uh, and there are scripture references that seem to point in that direction, like the one we have here from Romans. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among, among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given, having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. So God knew his people in advance. He chose them to become like his son. Does that mean that some are not chosen? What does that mean? Does that mean that I'm chosen? Does that mean you're chosen or not? Hmm. So we have this idea of predestination, and you know there are, there are denominations where they focus. Calvin began that way back, you know, several hundred years ago, and, and that's their belief says, and you figure, well, this all-powerful, all-knowing God, I mean, I guess maybe that's possible. So you have that on the one side. Then on the other side, you have this idea of free will. Anybody ever heard of free will? Yeah. So you have this free will idea in terms, and you know, that the, the idea of predestination, you think, wait a minute, I don't have any choice. I mean, it's predestined. I'm, what's the point of it? But then on free will, it's like, okay, we have this kind of free-for-all in simple terms. It means human beings have the freedom to make choices, not, uh, not determined by prior causes or divine intervention. John Wesley, um, he believed in, in, to some extent in, in, in free will, not complete free will, but to some extent in, in, in aspect of free will. And, and scripture to support that would be well, something we've, we've shared here before from the book of Revelation written by John. Now, this is a vision of G, what Jesus is sharing through John. And Jesus says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, here's the predestination. I mean, here's the free will. And opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person. They will, and they with me. Yeah. So, uh, we, we need to open the door, free will. There you go. But in John 6, we see this dilemma Again, verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up on the last day. So, 
Do you sense, are you feeling a little bit of tension here? On one hand, we believe that we have free will. We believe that God has not predestined, made the choices, um, you know, who's in and who's out. But on the other hand, we have this scripture here from John telling us that we don't choose Jesus, that God chooses us and draws us and will raise us up on the last day. So what if we don't want to come? What if it's like, nope. What if our free will <laughs> chooses otherwise? Dr. Timothy C. Tennant, he's the president of Asbury Theological Seminary in Wilmore, Kentucky. He addresses this dilemma in his book entitled Foundations of the Christian Faith. And Dr. Tennant says that salvation, here's the key, never begins with anything that we do. Let me say that again. Salvation never never begins with anything that we do. It's always the result of a response we make to something God has done. Here's what he goes on to say, page 93. To think that salvation begins with our repenting of sins and asking Jesus into our hearts is not the way the Scriptures reveal the whole process of salvation. Rather, salvation always begins with God's prior action. He acts, and we accept or resist. It always happens in that pattern. And so Dr. Tennant goes on to say that most Christians believe in the doctrine of total depravity. Say total depravity. We don't even like saying that, that do we? Good, it doesn't it? feel good. It's not good. Total dep depravity. Simply put, it means that we're dead in our sin and true. And that we can't do anything on our own to improve our own spiritual state. True. Not up to us. No matter how good I am, no matter how good I think I am, I am still a sinner in need of a savior. True. But what does this have to do with free will and what we're talking about? If you believe in the doctrine of total depravity, then this free will thing is a no-go. It's a no-go. A person who is totally, you know, they're spiritually dead, they can't even improve their own spiritual state at all, like, they can't even decide to give their life to Christ. They, can't, they don't even have the free will to say yes or no. We believe that we have free will, that God has created us and designed us with this God-shaped hole that draws us into a relationship with him. But it's God that does it, and it's our response, which we want to say at this point, welcome to provenient grace. Provenient grace. Provenient means to come before. 
it's that grace, that love. When you hear grace, it means love and not a human love, but it's a God love that's totally unconditional. And we'll unpack that even more. But it's that love, that grace that God offers us, even when we don't realize it, even when we don't know it or acknowledge it. It's actually the grace that we speak about when infants are baptized. They don't know what's going on, you know, but we do, their parents do, and God does. It's a symbol that the church uses of God's power and might and desire to draw that child, that baby, into a relationship. We believe that there's a wooing that goes on. So Dr. Tennant tells us this. He says that prevenient grace is the bridge between human depravity and free will. Human depravity and free will and prevenient grace is the bridge. Prevenient grace is God's God drawing us, the human race, out of our depravity and granting us the capacity to respond to him, to respond to God's grace. Grace, it's that unmerited favor. We don't do anything to deserve it. It is just there as a gift. All right, so I'm seeing some deer in the headlights. Are you with us? Maybe a little bit. Hang in there as we continue to unpack what we're talking about this morning. Hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. So God takes the initiative, not us. God woos us. God invites us. God draws us in when we're not even aware of what he's doing. It's happened to every one of us. Tennant says that God takes the initiative to, quote, create a universal capacity for the human race to receive grace. Universal capacity. John 3.16 says this, and say it with me if you can. For God so loved the world <coughs> that he, he gave, gave his, his only, only son, son that whosoever believes, believes shall, shall have eternal life. Yeah. Huh? Shall not perish. Shall not have perish. Shall have eternal life. That's what I've quoted here. Yeah. In other words, each and every, it doesn't say the elect, it doesn't say the chosen, it says whoever believes shall have eternal life. So that means that God has given the world, God has given all of us the capacity to receive his grace. He makes the invitation universal. So some would say that God's grace is irresistible. There's, there's a book, there's a Bible study called Irresistible Grace. You know, God, that means that God's grace is so attractive that we just can't resist. As a believer in Jesus, I can't resist, but maybe there are times when I do. Have you ever resisted something good from God? I think we all have. So there is resistance. That's what we've been talking about this month. Every single Sunday we've been talking about resisting something, but bottom line, it's, it's grace. 
It's the love of God. Here's the thing about God. God does not force himself upon us. God doesn't grab us by, you know, you have to believe in me. It is our choice. That is our free will. We have the power to choose, and we often choose other than God. But God keeps wooing. That's the good news. That's the gospel. God keeps wooing and calling and desiring and pulling us like this force toward God because God wants a personal relationship with each one of us. So God's prevenient grace allows for both the idea of depravity, the depravity of the human race, while at the same time allowing that Jesus died for all those who lived and will live. So Tennant, Dr. Tennant points out that prevenient grace does not technically affirm free will in the sense that anyone can decide to follow Jesus whenever they want, because that would allow for salvation to be much more our initiative than God's. Does that make sense? If we have too much say, that means it's our doing and not God's doing, and it's not our doing that gives us salvation, okay? And Dr. Tennant prefers the term freed, F-R-E-E-D, will. Can you say that? Freed will. I like that a lot. That makes sense. Or, in other words, our will has been set free by God's grace, restoring in us the, the capacity for our hearts, for our minds, for our wills to respond to God's uh, unmerited love, God's grace. Freed will resonates, doesn't it? My will has been freed through God's grace. Ephesians 2, verses 9 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Mm. As that passage and so many others in the New Testament tell us, it's nothing we do or have done that brings us salvation. Amen? It's not our doing. It's not our doing. It's Christ and Christ alone, what he has done that brings us salvation. Through God's grace, God's grace, not giving us what we deserve. That's what grace is. God is absolutely pure, absolutely holy, um, uh, and um, we can't earn God's grace. It's unconditional, unmerited, undeserved. And, and, and we don't deserve it. Nothing we can do can cause God to love us any more than he already does. But on the other hand, nothing we can do can cause God to love us any less. The thing is, um, no matter how good we try to be, it ain't going to cut it. Now, no matter how many points we've racked up on that tote board in the sky, you know, uh, we try, we figure if I do this, this, and this, because we're all about um, self-reliance, aren't we? We're all about what we can do. I was thinking about this. I was thinking back to Sunday school. 
So I was thinking, I was calling on long-term memory here. Sunday school. Do you remember anybody in Sunday school with a little Sunday school pin? And then from that, they would hang perfect attendance bars. Does anybody remember that? So what that is, if you don't remember, each year you had perfect attendance, or when you were away, you had a signed note that said you went someplace, you know, you had an excuse. or You got perfect hey, can a we bar. we do that? Huh? Like, if you're away, a little signed, I was in church anyway. Yeah. Just kidding. You got, yeah. And, and you got these little bars that said perfect attendance. Anybody ever receive one of those? Well, yeah. We had this girl in our church. It was unbelievable. I think she was 14. I think she had 20 bars. I don't know how she did it. I mean, they were like dragging the floor, you know? I mean, that was, uh, gee whiz, huh? I didn't say anything. <laughs> I'm just, I never got it, so. Well, but here's the thing. No matter how many bars she got, yeah, it was great for perfect, and it was great for reliability, it was great that she showed up. But that didn't give her salvation, did it? You know, Carrie and I were preachers. Wow, that doesn't give us salvation. Yeah, you may do a lot of work around the church, you know, and we appreciate that. Oh my gosh, we appreciate it. But that doesn't give you salvation. None of those things, none of the things that we do bring us salvation because we can't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's a God thing. It's God's grace through Jesus Christ that brings us that salvation. It's who God is. It's what God does. God is love. We are the work of his hands, and we are not saved by our good works. That would cause us to boast, as, as Paul said in that Ephesians letter, chapter 2, <coughs> would cause us to boast. We aren't the Savior. We're the saved. We are created to do good works, and we appreciate, and others appreciate your good works because our, we're here to glorify God and to edify others, lift up others, through what we do, but once again, that's not what brings us salvation. Still with us? Nobody's left yet. All right. We've been, we looked for a couple of examples to support what we're talking about today in the Bible, in the New Testament. Maybe there are some stories that we're that you might be familiar with. Anybody heard of Zacchaeus? When I was a kid in Sunday school, we sang a song about him. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Yeah, yeah, some of you know it. Well, Zacchaeus, his story is found in the Bible in Luke chapter 19. And Zacchaeus was a tax collector. In fact, he was the chief tax collector, which meant that he did it the best. And by him doing it the best meant that he was really good at overcharging people. Actually, that's stealing. Overcharging, and he would put some in his pocket and give some um, to the government. He was un unscrupulous in his zeal to collect taxes. One day, Jesus was coming through town. And Zacchaeus, who was a small man, the, the scripture says, he climbed up a tree to get a look at this guy named Jesus who was passing by. Well, scripture has it that Jesus, 
you know, it's like Jesus walking by. Zacchaeus, up there in that tree, come on down. I want to have dinner at your house. Yikes. Zacchaeus hadn't claimed Jesus to be his savior yet. See, that's provenient grace. God was loving him, loving him. Zacchaeus had this thing inside of him where he knew that there was something special about him. He probably didn't, I mean, he didn't know he was the Lord, but he'd heard about him. And so he wanted to look. It was important. He wanted to look. That's that wooing, that provenient grace, that drawing Zacchaeus into a relationship. And the rest of the story is that he received love instead of being hated. He, uh, he, he invited, but Christ invited himself into Zacchaeus's house instead of, I mean, he was including Zacchaeus instead of excluding him. And Zacchaeus responded. And in his response, he was in the presence of God and his life changed. He repented. He, he said he was sorry and he meant it. He turned from his sin of what he was before, a wretch of a man, and turned toward God. He returned the money fourfold, is what scripture says, to the people that he had taken from. He was forgiven. He was restored. He was renewed. He was redeemed by Jesus. So that's an example of this provenient, this wooing grace in Zacchaeus. Another example of provenient grace is found in uh, the book of John chapter 8, where we find a well-known story of the woman caught in adultery. Maybe some of you have heard that story before. She's brought before Jesus, and he's reminded by the church leaders there of the law of Moses that says that this woman should be stoned, which usually results in death. And see, they were trying to try, they didn't care about the woman at all. She was a ploy that they were using to try to trap Jesus, trying to put him in the dilemma between love and the law, between justice and mercy, between confrontation and caring. See, because they knew Jesus' nature. They knew he was loving, and yet the law says that this woman should be stoned to death. So what's he going to say? What's he going to do? Well, he bends down and starts writing in the dirt. Some scholars claim he's writing out the sins of these guys who brought the woman out there. <coughs> That's another story for another day. But he's writing in the dirt, and finally he stands up. And he says, um, okay, the one without sin casts the first stone. Ugh. Wow. So he's not saying to not follow the law, is he? Pretty smart. <laughs> but he's saying, which one of you is going to be the first? 
the sinless one who's going to do it. He goes back down to writing, and one by one they leave. So he stands up again and looks at the woman, and he says, uh, there's no one left here to condemn you, and neither shall I. Go and sin no more. That's grace. That prevenient grace, that grace that goes before. She didn't ask for it. She didn't even know it was available, did she? But Jesus delivered it just like that. Not everyone who came in contact with Jesus uh, accepted that grace. There's the story of the rich young ruler, and this is for another day, but he, he turned away sad because he did not want to give his life, give his heart, give his stuff up. He didn't want to surrender. So he, he resisted that, that grace, but the really best news is that Jesus would have never said, well, done with you, buddy, but would have kept wooing him and wooing him into a relationship. We just didn't read about it. But that's who Jesus is. There are so many stories of grace in Scripture. Zacchaeus and the woman, they didn't get what they deserved. They were, you know, the woman was, was a mess. Zacchaeus was a mess. And like us, they were sinners. They were sinners, but Jesus showed them grace. Not condemnation. Grace, but, but took them to, the, to a higher plane. It wasn't like, okay, you're just fine. Go about your own business. No, he, he wants to take us higher and have us walk it out in a, in a holy way. And they were wooed before Jesus ever, before they ever knew about Jesus, before they had a relationship, before they ever repented. God's grace was still there. And offered to them, and they accepted it. Unconditional gift of love. Here's what we read in 1 Timothy, second chapter, verses 4 through 6a. This is the message version. He, God, wants not only us, but everyone saved. Let me say that again. God wants not only us, but everyone saved. You know, everyone to get to know the truth that we've learned. That there's one God, only one, and one priest mediator between God and us, Jesus, who offered himself in exchange for everyone held captive by sin to set them all free. And so we're back to where we started. God wants all to be saved. That would be contrary to this predestination idea, wouldn't it? That God had chosen before time those who would be saved and those not. He wants all of us to be with him. Now, God is all-knowing, all-knowing, all, all so, so he has this foreknowledge of who will be saved but that doesn't, foreknowledge is different than predestination. To know what will be and to force what will be 
are two different things. And so God reaches out to us. He invites us. He woos us to say yes to a relationship with him, to this offer of salvation. Even when we're not aware of it. Even when we're not expecting it. And why? Because he loves us. Like, that much. I mean, look at the cross. That's how much he loved us. That's how much he wanted a relationship with you and me. And we can say no. That's the free will part. But we pray that we say yes. And then we get to share in his glory. That's what scripture says. We never ever walk alone. And we have the Holy Spirit with us who guides us and talks to us and and disciplines us and disciples us. Philippians 4.13 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, he is such a giving God, and he just wants to give us uh, what we all had in the beginning, like before the fall, before paradise. He wants to reclaim us. He wants to restore us. He wants to redeem us us and the thing is all we have to do all all we can do is receive that's all we can do is receive that's not an easy thing to do though is it to just receive sometimes the greatest givers struggle with this art of receiving often the more gracious the giver the less gracious the receiver it's not easy. Check this out. You ever had somebody, you're out to dinner and they pick up the check? And what's your immediate response? I'll get the tip. No, no, I got it. Okay, well, next time it's on me. Sound familiar? Why can't we just say, wow, thank you? We're, we're horrible at that, aren't we? Maybe, maybe we're just not used to receiving good things. Maybe we're so used to having to stand up on our own two feet or, or something. Strings or strings attached. Or strings attached, yeah. We, we don't understand unconditional love, do we? It's tough to be. I, I finally learned to just say, thank you. It's hard sometimes, but I just say thank you and 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 gratefully receive it, and gracefully receive it. Yeah. Um, That's how it is with God's grace. Unconditional love that he offers, especially that love in the form of Jesus dying for us on the cross. That's a gift that's kind of impossible to give. Okay, Jesus, next time it's on me. (laughs) That's a good one, isn't it? Yeah, next time it's on me. And so all we can say is, thank you. Humbly, thank you. Say yes to relationship Jesus offers and say thank you with the rest of our lives. Thank you by living our lives for Jesus, a living, breathing offering of appreciation for what he has done for us for what he's given us, not a payback, that's impossible, but just simply, thank you, Lord, thank you.
So today's been a lot of teaching and some doctrine of what we believe. And if we've confused you or concerned you or you're like, what in the world just happened? Just talk to us because we're, we're here to help, help you grow and share what, what we believe as the Methodist Church. And um, yeah. So to close, we're going to sing a song called Mercy. And this song has some words that we don't want you to miss because it's rich in what we've been talking about this morning. So we've been talking about grace, but mercy and grace are two sides of the same coin. Mercy is that we don't get what we do deserve. Grace is that we get what we don't deserve. We get love. We get, we get this unconditional love from our Father. Mercy, we don't get what we deserve. We're, we're sometimes filthy rags. But God loves us anyway in his mercy. And so the chorus of this song is, it says, now I'm alive to tell the story of how I've overcome. It's his goodness, his goodness and his mercy. That's the cross, his goodness and mercy and the power of his blood. I'm so glad that my freedom wasn't based on what I've done. But the goodness and mercy and power of the blood. Mercy, grace, goodness. We pray that we surrender to that, that we don't like, no, I'm going to resist all this, but that we're like, okay, God, I, I trust you. I'm going to open up a little bit more to you and then a little bit more. And then I'm going to take a step a little closer and then a little closer until we're wide open to his love that will never give up on you because that's what grace is. Never give up. You are not an accident. You are not a mistake. You are here because God created you with his purpose and his plan for your life. As we sing this song, you know, we'll, we'll stand and we'll sing it, but we want you to know that the steps are open to come and just talk to God. You can even just come up and say, you know what, thank you, God, for my salvation. That is a great thing. And we're not going to say, ooh, did you see Audra up here uh, on her knees? Something's going on in her life. No. Yes, something is going on in her life, in your life, and uh, that God loves us and cares for us. 
So don't be shy about that. Let's pray. God, your goodness, your mercy, your grace. Just want to thank you. Help us live our lives as a thank you note. And help us show others who you are and whose we are when they see us. I pray that they don't see us, but they see you through us. As together, as a church, as a community, as a family of God, we are in mission together to connect people with you in the new life that you offer. I thank you and praise you and say thank you. In the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit, everybody agreed and said, Amen. Thank you for listening to the message from Connection Community Church. For more information and to find out more about our ministries, you can visit us on our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Thanks again for listening. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the new life he offers.